I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Parented. One of the most distressing experiences for both children and parents is persistent bedwetting. The shame of not being able to control your bladder at night, like a baby when you're not a baby, is mortifying for children. And their shame and embarrassment is excruciating for their parents. It has significant implications too, reluctance to have sleepovers or go on school trips, and therefore missing out on parties and bonding experiences, as well as a huge amount of washing. Well, today I've got my sister and co-founder of The Parenthood, Dr. Kiara Hunt, with me to talk about how common bedwetting is and how we deal with it. Kiara, welcome. Thank you. While we're happy to talk, uh, while we're happy to post about our children's triumphs on social media, bedwetting is something very few people talk about, understandably, Um, but this would suggest it's, it's rare. But is that true? Is it more common than we might think? So I think that's one of the most important things to realize is that bedwetting is really very common. Um, And, you know, most children will have at least one or two other children in their class, certainly the age of about seven, who are still wetting the bed at night. Um, So it's common. I mean, I'd say um, about one in 15, one to 10 and 15 children age seven will still be wet at night. And even teenagers, which people don't think about, about one in 75 teenagers will still wet the bed at night. So it's really very common. It does run in families. So if you're if you as their parents um, wet the bed, then it is quite likely or more likely that your children will. And does it when does it stop? Does it always stop at teenagers or do are there some adults who wet the bed too? Is there something that affects adults? Yeah, much less commonly. Uh, but yes, there are some adults who are still on the treatments for, for bedwetting. And that's what we'll talk about today, what the different types of treatments available are. But I think it's also uh, important to remember what's normal and what's not. So a lot of people will come to me telling me that their four-year-old is still not dry at night. Now that's not abnormal. Uh, abnormal bedwetting is really from the age of five if your if your child is regularly still wet at night from the age of five under the age of five that's still normal that's just their body maturing and getting used to the idea of being able to hold the urine in at night and so so most people and we've done potty training podcasts haven't we but um you know potty training generally in the day starts from about the age of two sometimes it's earlier and sometimes it's a bit later but but uh, you know it's not uncommon for reception children aged four um, to still be in night pants, pull-ups, pajama pants, that sort of thing at night. 
And it's probably better to kind of continue using them when they are still wet at night, even though they might not be wet at night all the time, just to sort of prevent the embarrassment of having wet the bed. Well, there's um, there's actually an argument against that, that really if you're trying proactively to to stop them being wet at night after the age of five, then uh, there's an argument to not wear the night pants because um, the actual sort of waking up in a wet bed uh, can can be uh, can help the child to learn to hold the urine at night. And what are the causes of bed wetting? Why why do children wet the bed? So I mean, there are lots of there are lots of different reasons. So after the age of of five, and um, there are you can you sort of divide it generally into into four different categories. And um, so there's the sort of not feeling the urge, not feeling the need to pee at night. And that's not because they're so fast asleep. So a lot of people say to me, my child just sleeps so deeply. They don't feel that, you know, they don't, they're not awake enough to feel the urge. But actually, it's because their brain doesn't recognize the signal of a full bladder during sleep. And um, so, so this is where sort of um, bedwetting alarms, which you can talk about in a bit, uh, can help. But you can look at sort of signs of the type of bedwetting your child is doing to see if it might be that. So for example, um, if the child doesn't wake up, so they sleep through their their bedwetting, or they they wet the bed late in the night rather than earlier on, and that might be sign might, might be a sign that they're just not uh, not uh, recognizing that signal of the full bladder. Their body's just not recognizing it. Um, but but so the uh, another cause is that their body is just making too much uh, pee at night, and um, so we all have a hormone uh, called vasopressin, which you know which. Um, which we become more sensitive to as we get older, but it basically it tells our body not to produce as much urine at night so that we don't need to pee. Because if we produce as much urine, if our kidneys produce as much urine in the nighttime as we did in the daytime, we'd all be getting up to pee um, during the night. So um, most of us produce vasopressin, which suppresses that urine production, but some children don't make enough of it. So their kidneys just produce too much urine and then they have to pee because their bladder's really full. So you know that because they're really wet. Some children are just really, really wet and they're peeing throughout the night. They're wetting early in the night. Their pee is quite dilute. It's not that strong smelling urine. So if, if that's happening, that may be the problem. And then that can be treated well with, with medication. Um, sometimes they've got what's called an overactive bladder. So, so um, th- their, their bladder just doesn't stretch enough at night to be able to hold the wee in. Um, and so, and so, even a little bit of we will make them make their body need to pee. So those of children are children who are peeing a lot in the day as well. You know that every hour they're sort of needing a, a wee, and they tend to be doing lots of little patches of um, of wetting the bed throughout the night. Um, and then, and then the final type of cause of bedwetting is is what we call secondary bed bedwetting. So this is a bit different. This is when the child has been dry for a long period of time, and then. Um, and then suddenly starts wetting the bed again. So this is something that, that is really important, actually, that they see the doctor about because it can be caused by certain medical conditions like diabetes, things like that, or it could be caused by stress. And we can talk about that, stress or high levels of anxiety. There could be something going on at school or at home that's triggered that. Um, so um, so that's something to, to be aware of as well. And in terms of the secondary Uresis? Enuresis, yeah. Secondary bedwetting or enuresis is the medical term for it. So in terms of secondary bedwetting, what age does that affect? Is that sort of more like eight, nine, ten? No, not necessarily. Your child could be five or six, but have been dry at night since they were four. And then they suddenly start wetting the bed again. And that that is considered secondary enuresis. So it's any so it's essentially if they've been dry for at least six months, 
regularly, no accidents at all, they'd be considered dry at night. And if then, for whatever reason, they start wetting the bed again, that needs looking into. And I mean, you've mentioned sort of medication and, and other therapies, and I think a lot of parents would be really um, relieved to try something that was maybe not sort of medicated. Are there any simple things that we can do to help a child that might be wetting the bed before you go into the sort of medical things? Absolutely. And I think, you know, every parent um, sh- should be doing this before going down the route of seeing their doctor. And they may you may be trying some of these things before the child reaches five if they've actually shown signs that they can be dry at night. So a lot of it is about water. So making sure they're drinking plenty of water in the day so they're not having to catch up at the end of the day and then having full bladders at night. So making sure that they are, you know, taking water bottles to school, drinking with all the meals and having regular wee stops during the day um, is really important too. And making sure they pee just before bed, making that part of the of the evening routine, making sure that they have a, a nice, relaxed evening routine you know, um, no screens, no running around and um, sort of a bit hyperactivity in the evening because that signals to the to the body that it's not bedtime, that it's daytime. So that uh, vasopressin isn't produced and, and, and they, you know, they're, they're more likely to pee. So that's important. Um, things like, um, you know, like we talked about trialing without the night pants, even though they, their pants might be might be wet every morning, giving them a trial without pants um, is it, it can just help. Um, sort of make that link between their brain and their body. And presumably that slightly depends on the child. If your child, you've got a child who's going to be really distressed by Absolutely. waking up with bed sheets, it's probably not worth doing. But if you've got a child that yeah. might be less distressed. Yeah, and or, or even just more motivated. So that's the other thing, motivate them with whatever it takes to motivate your child, star charts, reward charts, um, you know, bribery <laughs> if needed. Um, but um, well, there are some children that like just can't be bothered to get out of bed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, really? and, well, there are some who, who just don't really mind that much. Um, so, and if they're, if they're not motivated, then they're less likely or you're less likely to succeed with them. Um, so definitely motivating them and also motivating them, and praising them not necessarily just about being dry but about engaging in the process of getting dry so you know praising them for for you know doing a wee before they go to bed praising them for putting their pants on for putting their pants in the bin in the morning you know that sort of thing like motivate them for all for cooperating for the whole journey not just for being dry Um, because ultimately you know it's not their fault Uh, they're not they're not trying most children are not trying to to cause their parents work by by you know um by wetting the bed um, and then, you know, things like, um, you know, avoiding caffeinated drinks, you know, hot chocolate even, or certainly fizzy drinks, sugary drinks at night makes quite a big difference. Um, doing, um, uh, a lot of people actually ask me about about lifting, you know, is it good to lift the child? But actually lots, all the data suggests. Explain what, what lifting is. Yeah, so lifting, i.e., um, you know, child goes to bed at seven, um, parents go to bed at 10 or 11, and um, before they go to bed, they, in their sleep, will lift the child up, Put them on no, the loo. in the parents' sleep. No, no, in the in the child's sleep. Lift them up, put them on the loo. They might wake up a little bit, but generally they're sort of half asleep, and then they sit on the loo and they do a wee, um, and then they get put back to bed. Now, the trouble with that is it's a sort of short-term solution. It, it's probably keep them dry at night, but it's not teaching the child's body to recognise the signal that they need to wee because it's you as the parent deciding that they need to wee rather than their body. Um, so, generally speaking, it can be quite useful when they're just transitioning. To, to having dry nights, sort of when they're in that four to five or three to five year age age gap. But once they're over five, um, the advice is, is is not to lift them um, so that their body can actually respond to the cues that they need. 
Because presumably, too, that's if they're not really waking up, it's teaching them that it's okay to wee in their sleep. Exactly. Exactly. So again, if you are going to lift, make sure you properly wake them up and that they really are awake before they actually do a pee. Um, And that will that will try and avoid that. And at what point would you start to become concerned if your child is wet? At what point would you kind of go to make an appointment to see your doctor? I think um, I think if you're if your child is over five and you've tried all those things we've just talked about, you've been doing all the good routines, you've been avoiding things that can you know that can make it worse, and it's still happening regularly, um, then then it's probably worth a trip to, to the doctor to decide um, whether anything needs to be done. But but go armed, you know, go armed with information. Like, like I talked about earlier, the different causes of bedwetting have different types of symptoms in terms of when they're bedwetting, how much they're bedwetting, what the con- what the kind of concentration of the urine is, etc. Um, so so do a nighttime diary for your child, which is sort of documenting all that information, and go to the doctor, uh, you know, armed with that, so that between you and and then they can they can decide what the sort of next best course of action is and presumably you should be doing that diary for what like a month before you go and see your doctor I think at least a week but yes the longer the better and also document other symptoms so um you know like I said one of the one of the problems can be an overactive bladder but your child then will also have symptoms of an overactive bladder in the day and pee pee a lot during the day so so make a note of that Again, one of the really common causes of bedwetting is, um, which I didn't mention, is constipation. So if your child is really constipated, then the, all that sort of constipated stool in their bowel is is taking up space from where the, where the bladder can expand into in their in their abdomen. So they're, they're, they're going to feel that urge to pee sooner. So if your child tends to be constipated and they're wetting the bed, then treat the constipation first, because that's very likely to help um, help treat the, the, the um, nighttime bedwetting. And so how might your child be treated um, if they, I mean, is there always a treatment for it? Is this something that can always be resolved? Uh, there's something that can always be tried. You, you know, you'd never have a, you know, if you take a child over over five to, to the doctor to, to say this is a problem, you're not really, you shouldn't be sent away saying there's nothing we can do. Just let your child grow out of it. Um, but there's some stages uh, and um as to what what you would try when so the first step would be to to try uh, what we call next. one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why united healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more so whether you're between jobs coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Neuresis alarm or bedwetting alarm. 
um, which is which is trying to help your child's body recognize the symptom or the feeling of a of a full bladder so that they wake and respond to it rather than rather than just wetting the bed. So these are kind of there's a there's a sensor which detects when the wetting starts and activates the sensor the, in the pants of the yeah, child. Yeah, exactly, or exactly or, or yeah, wherever they're gonna get wet, but generally in the pants, which and the scent and that will activate an alarm which will then wake the child and at the beginning of the wetting and then waking them causes their bladder muscles to to tighten and will stop that wetting progressing. And as the time goes on, the child will associate that feeling of a full bladder with the need to get up and use the bathroom and not need the alarm to wake them up because they'll respond from to, you know they'll respond to the signal from the bladder without without the alarm kind of being the intermediary. Um, but it, it's not a quick fix. It's not like you use the alarm for a week and suddenly they're they're dry at night. It it takes quite a long time, and and a lot of a lot of parents take it. Was, it can take a few months to work, um, because the child needs to get used to the the sort of waking up and responding to to the alarm. And again, motivation here is so important. You know, the child's got to be motivated to actually respond to the alarm and and uh, and help their body learn. So again, lots of that praise around everything to do with. Um, with using the alarm, putting it on, changing their pants, etc. How how often does that work? How successful is the alarm? So that, that's probably the most successful. Most children who 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 wet the bed between the ages of five or se- and five and seven will respond to a um, to an enuresis alarm as long as it's being used uh, consistently. Um, and the parents are doing everything they need to be doing on their side too, and the child is. And and you'd use it, you know. You, you continue using it while the child's dry for at least two weeks. So um, you'd sort of have, you'd have 14 days, two weeks of dry nights um, before you take it away and then see if that, if that works. And for some, some children, if they're little, if they're still sort of between five and seven and it hasn't worked at all for three months, the advice will be, right, let's stop. Let's have a break. Just put the pants back on um, and let's try again in a few months time. Um, and then, uh, and then usually it will work. But you've mentioned also that there are other treatments and medicalized treatments that yeah. would be helpful. Yeah. So the most common treatment for bedwetting is basically a medication that tops up that vasopressin we were talking about. So, you know, we all produce the vasopressin, which suppresses the kidneys uh, urine production at night but some children take longer to produce the required amount um so essentially the the treatment is topping up their own vasopressin with a medication called desmopressin which is the same thing to to give that a signal to their kidneys to stop producing um uh, as well not stop but to reduce the urine production at night um so that that is usually used uh, from the age of 7 because it usually that those 5 to 7 year olds are are trying the alarm first but it can also be used from the age of 5 if 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 the if it's appropriate um so um and that's something that some children will continue for years some children you know 6 months and generally you'd be on it for they'd be on it for 3 months regularly every day um, and then and then trial a week off it and, and do that every three months to see if the body's vasopressin has has sort of picked up as it were um, and then and then some children use it more um, on so occasionally so they'll use it for the sleepovers they'll use it for the for the camps at school um, but that tends to be when they've used it successfully before and they just want that extra crutch you wouldn't just start by using it occasionally how quickly would you see a you know a, a reduction in bedwetting when you're using the the so not always immediately um and there's some evidence to, sh- to suggest that the longer y- you use it the more effective it is um so 
usually within the first three months that you'd notice a difference. If you hadn't noticed any difference in three months, you'd think again. Um, but um, but again, you know, it needs to be used properly. So um, you take it an hour before going to bed. Um, you would make sure the child ha- doesn't drink an hour before taking it and eight hours after taking it. That's quite important um, for it to work properly. Um, and, uh, and, you know, people worry about side effects and risks of a medication. It's actually pretty low risk. It's just topping up your own body's vasopressin. But you, you wouldn't take it if your child's really ill, has a temperature, diarrhea, vomiting, that kind of thing. Or if they've drunk loads of, if they have drunk loads of water, you wouldn't give it to them then. So you'd use it in conjunction with, you know, the, the things you were talking about at the beginning, like making sure they've gone to the loo at the beginning of the exactly. night, making sure that they're not drinking caffeinated drinks and that the drinks are sort of mainly happening at the beginning of the day rather than the end of the day. Or during the day, yeah, rather than the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. And is that the only drug that um, is available or do some, uh, are others available for different things? So, so that's the most commonly used one. There are other, other medicines that are used, usually kind of under specialist guidance, and it's usually for kind of more intrinsic problems with the bladder. So, for example, if your child really has overactive bladder and, and the bladder can't hold the, uh, enough urine, then um, you go down the routes of doing bladder retraining. For example, it's like almost like physio for the bladder to try and try and um, help it contain more urine. But also then there's medications specifically for overactive bladder, which um, uh, things you might come across something called tolteridine or oxybutynin. But but these are these are more specialized treatments that are used to treat a problem rather than just um, just the vasopressin or just the you know the the habit of, of bedwetting. And. Uh, during the stage, would you just be seeing your GP or at which yeah. stage would you be referred to a specialist? So your GP would be perfectly capable of, of, of um, helping through to this stage. I think if it then isn't working, that's when you'd go on to see a specialist. And what about sort of stress and anxiety? I mean, you mentioned that that sometimes is a cause of, of bedwetting. Yeah, so um, I'd say... People often say, "Is my child bedwetting because they're stressed or anxious?" And for for bedwetting that has has progressed from from potty training, no, it's not caused by that. But obviously, it can cause that. It can cause you know problems with self esteem and problems with anxiety because the child gets embarrassed as they, especially as they get older, that they're still wetting the bed or still needing to use night pants and things. Um, secondary uh, bedwetting, which, which we talked about, which which is when the child's body has been perfectly capable of going through the night and then suddenly starts wetting at night, that is, it is often caused by, you know, bullying at school or a, a, um, a change in circumstance or stressful period in the child's life. Um, and that's because uh, anxiety suppresses and stress, the stress hormones suppress vasopressin. Um, so there is a direct link between that. Yeah. And how should we talk to our children about bedwetting? Because obviously there's the kind of inconvenience of bedwetting and the fact that it's it's a bit difficult for them to do sort of sleepovers. But it's also so embarrassing, partly because we as a society stigmatize it. Mm. Um, how do how should we be talking to our children about it? How should should we be reassuring them, or should we be? Yeah. No, I think it's really important that children don't feel that it's their fault, um, and that they are reassured that you know this is not uncommon. That lots of other children experience this that um that you know it will get better and there are things we can do about it um it's you know it's it's very rarely uh, in the child's control at all so do um 
you know, do do be, I think, uh, mindful of that. And I think as parents, you know, we can often get really frustrated because we have to change the sheets, we have to change the pajamas, we, you know, so trying to trying to be as prepared and and practical about it as you can, so that we don't put those frustrations, which are not our child's fault, onto them. You know, if we come in in the middle of the night and they could tell that we're really annoyed that we're gonna ha- that we've had to change their sheets again, you know, that's gonna just reinforce their low self esteem about something that is very difficult for them to change on their own. So, you know, things like having, having you know, um, waterproof sheets, having absorbent pads that the child can can lie on, having a change of, of pyjamas ready, having, um, giving your child the tools to, to be able to do a lot of it themselves, teach them how to change their pyjamas if they're little, teach them how to put clean pants on, teach them how, where to put their dirty, um, you know, clothes or bed, uh, bedding, if they're on a bunk bed, you know, get them to sleep on the bottom bunk so that it's much easier for them to get out if they do wake up and need the loo. Put a potty in the room if there's a if there's a um, you know if they're little and 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 don't want to go to the bathroom on their own, or or teach them, show them, practice going to the bathroom in the middle of the night with them, that sort of thing. Because I think putting our own stresses on them just exacerbates the problem. And what about you know summer holidays and? sleepovers I mean that's obviously such an important part of children's development and yet Mm -hmm. I can see that children and parents aren't going to want that to happen if bedwetting is a frequent occurrence yeah exactly and I think um I think the most important thing is 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 as we talked about reassuring them and then being proactive about treatments but um but also then giving them sort of autonomy and kind of tips and tricks to help them um you know when they're um when they are um at the camp or at the sleepover so you know for example if they've been on medications as well you know give them the medication um that 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 they can use for that night uh if they're doing a camp then you know you can get sleeping bag liners that they can put in their sleeping bag that then they can just roll up if they do have an accident and their whole sleeping bag's not wet you know give go armed with sort of nappy bags you know little nappy bags they can put in their pocket that anything wet they can just put in there no one really notices give them send them with two pairs of identical pajamas, you know, so that they can change their pajamas. No one's going to ask any questions um, and they can sort of tuck the, tuck the, uh, you know, the dirty ones away. Um, a lot of people use the, what they call the water bottle trick where they'll, they'll bring a water bottle where they sleep, you know, next to their bed or in their tent. And if they do have an accident, they can pour the water onto the, onto the, the accident and, and say, oh, they just spilt their water, you know, uh, just giving them tips and tricks that, that's going to make them not feel so embarrassed about it, giving them, you know, pull-ups, you know, suggest that they can hide their pull-ups or their in, in their pillowcase or at the bottom of their sleeping bag or you know you know then they can just quickly wriggle into them or out of them without any, anyone seeing um what else um yeah people often um will especially older children bring and give them an alarm so they can set their alarm clock for before everyone else wakes up so they can kind of sort themselves out before anyone else is there um, make sure that whoever they're going with the parent or the or the, the sort of teachers or whatever are are aware that they might just need a bit of privacy and time alone to to help sort themselves out if they've had an accident so i think giving them a bit of power and autonomy over those sort of things can be really helpful and then not you know then they're not missing out um on all these things just because they wet the bed and ideally we kind of create a generation of children 
who understand that it's normal and that you don't tease children who wet the bed and that there is no stigma attached. It's like the same as having a runny nose, you know. Yeah. Well, um, it's, I mean, it's not normal. It's, you know, most children are dry by the age of five to seven, but it's not a problem and it's not their fault. That's the most important thing. It's a it's a medical condition that they are, you know, getting help with and getting treatment for, but it shouldn't it shouldn't be embarrassing. But of course it is for, for the children who, who suffer from it. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine, who wet the bed, um, her brother called her Rusty Bed Springs, her whole life long. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, children, as we all know, can be absolutely cruel. Um, and so that's why, you know, the, all these little sort of tips that, you know, can help them along the way. I mean, obviously, the most important is to get them dry at night. But but if they're not, then then giving them those sort of um, tips and tricks can can make all the difference. Well, Kiara, thank you. That's very informative um, and probably really good for families to know who don't have children who wet the bed because the likelihood is that there might well be a sleepover or have a conversation with a friend who's totally flummoxed by what's happening to their child and so good to be informed. Exactly. Perfect. Good. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. Do also share the podcast with anyone that you think might be interested. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Kiara and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.